can see things in people that I think sometimes other people can't. And I've had many a times where people have said, why have you employed that person? Or why yeah. are you putting up with that person? People come in all different shapes and sizes. Some are a bit quirky and some are a bit quiet, yeah. extrovert, introvert. Not everyone's wired the same and that's good. It yeah, brings absolutely. life, it brings color. Yeah. When people have patience and grace for people that come in all different packages, but have that fantastic gold inside and we're all complementing each other, Suddenly we're a well-oiled tuned machine Yes. and then the business will take care of itself. Welcome to Getting to the Heart of Business, brought to you by The Online Co, where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. I'm James Parnwell and the voice you just heard was Josh Nichols, founder and CEO of Platinum Electricians and co-founder of Jet Black Plumbers. From humble beginnings as a solo sparky driving his tradie van around Western Sydney, Josh now leads around 300 employees Australia-wide, and he's our guest on this podcast. With me today is Jess Caluso. Hey, James. Jess, have you ever worked somewhere where you had a pretty bad culture? Oh, have I ever. A few years ago, I worked in, a, in agency land, back in marketing agency land. The culture of this particular workplace was one built on fear. Fear of yeah, getting a bad in start. trouble. Yep. Yeah, fear of losing your job. Um, there were so many unspoken rules. Everybody's contract said, you know, start at nine, finish at five. But if you were in the office any later than 8 a.m., and if you left before 6 p.m., the next morning, you're in the boss's office and you're yeah, right. having a bit of yeah, a chat. a bunch of unspoken rules. Mm, a culture of fear doesn't make for a very enjoyable workplace. So were you really motivated to work hard and to stay there for the rest of your career? Uh, no, not hence quite. why I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh Nichols had a baptism of fire as well. His apprenticeship got off to a rough start. And off the back of that, he's gone and created a big national brand and really tried to create a culture to make sure new apprentices into the electrician's game don't have that same experience. And I've got to say, when you walk into Platinum's head office, it feels a bit like a trendy Silicon Valley tech startup. There's ultra-modern decor, inspirational quotes on the wall, and definitely a buzz in the room. They obviously place a lot of value on their culture. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So let's go right back to the start. You left school... Like most of us, you don't quite know what the future holds, but you did have a childhood knack for pulling gadgets apart and thought you'd give, give it a go. Sparky a try. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually left school at fifteen. I was um, a year ten graduate. Right. School wasn't really my massive strong point. I tried hard, but my sort of makeup was that uh, when it comes to school, it was really a game of what you could remember. It didn't really matter what subject it was, it all just came down to the whole school system is measured on what you can remember. And yeah. that's really not how I'm wired. And technology these days is you really don't have to remember that no, that's much. That's right, it's, everything's it's, at your fingertips. That's yeah. right. So yeah, for my parents, they were really much pushing me to get a trade. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't know at the time what trade I wanted to do. It was more probably my mum's driver in going, hey, look, you pull apart radios and you love playing around with stuff. Not that I ever got them working. It just, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was just, them? yeah, it was just interesting. And like uh, electronic Lego and things like that. So mum just being a mum's heart was like, yeah. all right, he'd be a good electrician. So yeah. I did a little bit of work experience for a friend of ours that was an electrician. Yeah. And then... Yeah, mum got on the phone and was really the driver of getting me interviews to actually go for an apprenticeship because I was baby-faced, 15 years old, <laughs> mummy's boy, 
like I look back at it and think, thank goodness for my mother at, at that yeah, time. Yeah, 20 years later, it's like, yeah, mum, mum knew something. Yeah, good job, mum. <laughs> well and how was the apprenticeship? It was rough. Look, I was thankful and still am thankful for what it gave to me because at the time I was very much shy, timid, yeah. um, and I got thrown into this world of trying not to stereotype, but like um, an older demographic tradesman, Western Sydney, it was, yeah. it was quite rough. There was a lot of um, times there where I wanted to give up. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of times where the apprenticeship board had to come in, meetings with the boss, like it was pretty full on. Yeah, it, it was, without going into detail, it was very testing and trying. And I thought, what on earth have I got myself into here? Yeah, do you feel like in amongst the challenge there that you, you really kind of grew up? 100%. I had to grow up fast. Yeah. It was one of those uh, sink or swim moments. And uh, probably the first couple of years was the roughest in, in yeah. challenging who I was in being shy and not coming forth or sticking up for myself after a couple of years. And I probably grew a, a foot after I left school yeah. and <laughs> okay. um, wised up a little bit that yeah. I could give a little bit back and earn their respect and things like that but it definitely took a couple of years but helped shape me to be a more confident person I suppose there's a lot of silver linings in it yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone no. <laughs> I wouldn't I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone no. but there was a lot of good things that came out of it do you feel like it's shaped your business today in terms of how not to do things 100 yeah. percent um it's probably why culture is one of the biggest drivers right. Uh, for me, as they say, the culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, and, Peter Drucker. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we are huge on culture and with how our office looks and feels and how we go about with our team and functions. And uh, it's not just all about work and productivity. There's, yeah. The culture piece is huge. And yeah, if I was to think about it, there definitely would be a little bit of driver of how I was brought up into the workforce yeah. that, that won't Let's be the same. Let's not inflict that on the next generation. No, 100%. Yeah. All right, so you finished your apprenticeship. It's 2001. You start your own business. Paint us a picture of what that looked like. Yeah, it was a classic case of, hey, I'm a good electrician. That must mean I'll be a good business owner. Yeah, right. <laughs> Quickly found out that those are completely two different worlds. And I will never forget the time when I... Always liked doing things sharp. It was always my makeup. So I bought yeah. a brand new van. Everything that I did was sharp. It was new. That was, it's always been my style. And I remember driving to my first job thinking, I've made it. Yeah. This is it. This is the moment of all my it's goals. And yeah. I'm at the pinnacle. <laughs> so the, the dreams and desires and vision at that time was just to be in business. I've started. Yeah. This is great. Love it. Um, I still remember the new car smell driving to my first job. Expensive cologne, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a fantastic memory that I'll never forget. But yeah, the the start of it was definitely driven out of, oh, I think I could have a go here. I say to a lot of people, my journey has been one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And um, here we are today. Would have I ever imagined it 19 years ago that I would be here yeah. now? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, your point about, I was a great electrician, so I assumed I'd be a great business owner, I think is pretty profound because you go from working for someone mm. and then all of a sudden you've got to manage the clients, the books, the marketing, mm. the, everything. You, you've got a range of another bunch of skills. And then you hire someone or maybe you hire a team and you go from sort of 
technician to manager. Yeah. And then you hire managers to manage those teams and you go from manager to leader. Yeah. And they all require different skill sets. You've got to transform yourself a few times. 100%. Tell me about that process as you scaled and how you had to grow in yourself and reskill in some ways. Again, back to my childhood a little bit where I always struggled in remembering. So I was taught at a very young age, self-taught, that if I was going to get through a certain season of my life, and whether that was an exam or a project, I learned from a very young age that I needed to leverage off other people to get the best result. Because I knew on my own merits, it just wasn't going to happen. And as bad as it sounds, like if it was an exam, I'd sit next to the right person and chat to them on going, hey, can I basically cheat and say like can you show me the the answers and or whether it was a calculator watch or whether it was I just learnt at a very young age that I wasn't wired to remember things for a long period of time so I learnt to leverage off people Um, not use people but actually leverage off them relationally I suppose you could say and in my business life whenever I came up with a challenge I just had this auto default to go, who can I bring in to help me get through this situation that's been programmed in me since a kid? So going through those different levels of management and leadership and business growth, I always have brought in different experts in their fields um, to either help me, coach me, help my team, coach them. So I've had all different coaches and I've been to conferences and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on self-education yeah. and to get me to where I am today. Um, and along the way, it rubs off and you learn and you build your own, I suppose, knowledge up as yep. you go as well. Yeah. But even to this day, we still have coaches coaching our franchise network. I still coach some of our franchises in leading my team and managing them. It's just sort of a process of getting experts around you, leveraging off people that have already been there and done it. Yeah. There's a real feeling of why reinvent the wheel? If someone's already built that wheel, then let's use the wheel. Just going back to school, on the podcast, we interview all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life. And it's always terrific to meet somebody who's got a PhD and is successful Mm. and for someone else to say, you know, school wasn't really my thing. Mm. And I think it's important for listeners to know that your level of school education really doesn't define your success at all. No. Uh, but your education has to continue and that that looks like all sorts of things. 100%. It's been so freeing as a father of three kids and they're all in primary school still. They'll have tests or they'll be a little bit nervous or... Um, And it's been so freeing to teach my kids that school isn't everything. It's the attitude that you have to school. Yeah. So whether you top the class or whether you just scrape in or... It's been a real freeing journey to talk to my kids around things like that. that It's all about the attitude. It's all about how you take on things or did you actually try your best? Um, Because like I said to everyone, at school I wasn't a rat bag. I didn't try and be the class clown or I actually tried um, proper and used to study. And my parents used to just feel sorry for me (laughs) because I actually tried (laughs) and still just scraped through. But with the testimony of what the business is, it's great to be able to talk about this message to free people when you see all the pressure on the people for doing HSC yeah, or yeah. to actually go, hang on, no, there's somebody that, that did struggle at school that left at year 10 and you can be very successful in what you do. Um, it's not the be all or end all. It's all about who you are going through that. Is Like I say to a lot of people, is your purpose bigger than your problems? It's why you get up in the morning, why you do what you do are the biggest drivers and having the right attitude and being a a good person at the end of the day. 
So you're really talking about you know a person's character as mm. opposed to their intelligence or their competence, or their skills, mm. and how you look at your children and you're developing character in them. Mm. I've often considered the similarities between parenting and, and leading. You know? mm. Do you see that same value around developing people's character or spotting people a good character in your staff? Absolutely. Yeah, good point. A lot of the time I believe that people never have the opportunity to have the leader above them to pull the gold out. Yeah. But I believe everyone has gold inside yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and people are so much more capable than sometimes what they even think they are. But if they're under the right leadership, not management, leadership, yeah, yeah. I believe that people can soar. People have huge potential. Tell me the difference between leadership and management. Management is managing people to do a certain thing. Leadership is the ability for others to want to follow yeah. your vision. So they are self-inspired, that they want yeah. to create, that they want to improve and make better, not just um, do because I have a KPI and my manager's telling yeah. me that I must do this for the month. The biggest thing in training your management is on how to lead. I find a lot of middle-level management can get stuck in managing people and not leading people. And the trick is teaching your middle managers that have been under your leadership to lead then the next generation under them. I guess management is around task. Leadership's mm -hmm. about yeah. vision and inspiration and pulling the gold out of people. We often talk about the idea that everybody's got a superpower. Someone's mm. amazing at something mm. and finding what that is. I can see things in people that I think sometimes other people can't. Yeah. Uh, and I've had many a times where people have said, why have you employed that person? Or why <laughs> are you putting up with that person? Because people come in all different shapes and sizes and some are a bit quirky and some are a bit quiet, yeah. and extrovert, introvert. But you've got to sometimes see through all those sorts of things and understand that not everyone's wired the same and that's good. It yeah, brings absolutely. life, it brings colour. Yeah. Yeah. And when people have patience and grace for people that come in all different packages, but deep down have that um, fantastic gold inside them in a particular area, and we're all complementing each other, suddenly we're a well-oiled, tuned machine. Yes. Uh, where everyone has grace for each other, appreciates each other, suddenly then your business is constantly growing because it's not you trying to manage people to do what you say. It's people loving what they're doing, yes. understanding each other, working together in unity, and then the business will take care of itself. Successful people generally think differently to the rest. And one thing I think is big, successful people will often see the best in people or believe the best. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, they'll often think, oh, there must be a good reason for that, mm. as opposed to that person's lazy, that person's incompetent, that, you know, that person's lying to me. When looking for the gold, you fundamentally need to see that person positively. Yeah, I suppose. I, whenever I employ anybody, it's very rare I go into their skill level. I've never asked ever in my history of business what graduation you had or right. what document you have. Literally, I'll sit people down opposite me and interview them to see if they are of good character. Yeah. How do they respond to things? Are they pessimistic? Are they optimistic? Yeah. Are they someone that I would hang out with outside work, how they fit in with the rest of my team. I ask them what they do for fun. A lot of these people are spending that much time here, sometimes more than they're spending it with their family, so to speak, because they're here eight hours every day. Yep. We're doing life with these people. We have to be able to work together. This has to be a good place or a fun place for everyone to come and be productive, don't get me wrong, but also enjoy what they're doing. They're not just turning up, clocking in, yep. clocking out, going home. 
Life's too short for that. You've got to enjoy the journey. So you're hiring on character first and competence second. Always, yeah. I think that's a wonderful piece of advice yeah. to listeners. We do exactly the same. You can train someone to have a skill, Correct. but you can't necessarily train them to be honest. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of things like that when it comes around the attitude side of things. If you step into hire over skill over attitude you're stepping into the zone of trying to break habits that could be there since yeah. childhood it's going to be an uphill journey and there's Very there's times hard. for that um, i believe in helping people that have had a past or really want to yes. get on the straight and narrow there's room for that but yeah. um, you've got to be very careful of your ratios and you you've got to know <laughs> what you're signing up for I talk to business owners every day about their marketing and the consistent feedback is that they feel lost in the digital marketing world. Usually they've got someone to have a go at some SEO, Google ads or social media, but they often don't know what work is even being done and they can't see any results. This is where our team and I can help with our digital marketing playbook. Over the past 10 years, we've designed a process to help you achieve your business goals by speaking to the right people at the right time with the right message. We analyze your competitors, create the unique voice you should use in the marketplace, map out your customer's path to purchase, and then create expert search, social media, and nurture strategies to attract the right people to your business. This is all underpinned by our belief that the best digital marketing puts people first. If you need help to get your marketing on the straight and narrow, why not drop us a line at theonlineco.net. You can have a quick chat to one of our team to see how we can best support you in growing your business. I love the idea when you talk about, I just needed other people's help. You know, there's an underlying humility there. Mm. And I saw that be humble was one of your values. I, I suspect a lot of business people think they need to be Superman. They need to be biggest, mm. bestest, fastest, strongest, smartest, wisest. Mm. Mm. And uh, it's a fallacy. <laughs> just doesn't yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah, 100%. There's a book which I recommend to everybody if they're, they're new to business or even been in business for a while called The E-Myth. Yeah, uh, which is a very fa- Gerber, yeah, yeah. A very famous book, but really talking about transitioning from the the technician to the business owner, and yeah, I think for a lot of business owners they can get trapped and their business can get capped. Business will cap out wherever your leadership caps out. It's it's as simple as that. That's why you have to yes. grow yourself. But yes. it's something as a business owner that you have to learn to let go. You have to leverage off other people because really, in a service based business, in my position, you're really selling time for money you only have so much time in a day to sell. So the game is getting more time to sell. You yes. only can do that by creating a bigger business. I'm more talking from a service-based yeah. business compared yeah, yeah. to a product, As but a product, yeah. that's the game you've got to be in. You can't be the one, again, in a trade business, like I can't be crawling around roofs when I'm 50 years old. It's just not practical. Um, there's things that are gonna hurt and it's, it's possible, but it's gonna to be tough. So mm. as a business owner, you want to start building the younger generation up. You're training them, you're leading them. Tell me about your wow principle. Yeah, well, it's become a bit of a, a play on words lately. It's I can hear my mates sometimes saying, oh, what wow are you going to bring today? And um, <laughs> Yeah, look, creating the wow or what I refer to as crazy customer service. Yeah. Like I train all of our new employees and through our induction processes, I always say that a business isn't going to grow based on how good of a technician you are or what brand you put in or how quick you installed it. Everything about business is on how the customer feels once you leave. doesn't matter what you're doing. 
Yeah. Still got to do a good job. Still got to put good product in. Still got to be fairly economical. You can't yes. be sitting around all day. <laughs> but they're not going to use you based on those things that I just said. It all comes down to how the customer feels once you leave. And that is all based around crazy, crazy customer service. Yeah. It's doing the things that others don't do. Yes. And that's where you have to look at your processes and what you do. Are your for us in a service-based business, we have what we call Experience 21. So 21 steps we do on site that has nothing to do with the electrical work. Notifications to the customer on when we're gonna be there, making sure that we're there exactly when we're gonna be there, to where we park our vehicle, to how we walk to the, the entrance of the building, to how we communicate, to what we say, yeah. to then what next, like right through to the end scale of doing a follow-up call or sending an email campaign or whatever it might be all to where the customer goes from where I found these guys to who I spoke to being friendly. It's this whole cycle that has to give this experience to a customer and everyone's got their part to play. And if everyone plays their part well, the customer just feels like that was seamless. Everyone was friendly. They did a fantastic job for a fantastic price. Man, I'm going to do two things. And this is the key to growing any business (laughs) to multiply astronomical is if you can get every customer you go to to one tell their friends referrals and two never use anybody else multi come back to you what we call raving fans in platinum if everywhere you go you can create that you won't need to spend a fortune on advertising marketing is important because everything that i spoke about experience 21 is an actual form of marketing yes but if you can create repeat and referrals everywhere you go you'll have a business that is well on its way. You use the word culture a lot. I've known you for a lot of years and it's one of your favourite words, I think. Um, Mm. And it's so important to Mm. business. Tell me about your business's culture. Yeah, so our culture is one of, like we've got our 10 core values. It's for us, you've got your vision, you've got your mission and your core values. Your core values are basically your alignment points to what creates your culture. Yes. So like you said, for some of our core values with be humble or self-education or creating crazy customer service, we've got 10 of them. That's very much the alignment of what creates our culture out there. Very much I do employ on will these people fit into our culture and align to our culture, but you've got to be on purpose with culture. Culture doesn't just happen by who you hire. It is an ongoing, evolving, weekly daily thing that You're constantly pruning that hedge aren't you 100 i'll come <laughs> in of the morning and i'll i'll just feel the vibe and whether that's i'll go downstairs and buy everyone coffees or to swing the mood or whether the tunes aren't on in the office i'll go put the music on or what music's playing the environment that they're in um, is there someone that's going through a bad season of life that's causing five other people to come down like yeah it is constantly yeah. evolving what are we doing for fun what are we doing outside the four walls as far as a team so, yeah, culture is, it's no little piece that just happens by itself. You have to be very on purpose. So culture will be built off your values. Your values are your 10 statements that help you align and give language to what the place should feel like. Yep. I recall being involved in a breakout session where we went for two hours and we wrote down our seven values. Mm-hmm. I looked back on it and thought, what a waste of time that mm. was. We just brainstormed some things that we like. Mm. Then when it came to my business's values, I ended up spending years and it felt like I was mining into my soul to actually mm. figure out 
what do I actually value? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not what, what can I take off the shelf? What's really important yeah. to me? How did you come about the... Pro- I, I'm specifically asking this for listeners who haven't developed values. And I talk to a lot of businesses that haven't. Yeah. And then they might be saying, I don't have a culture. And I would argue that you do have a culture. Mm. You probably don't have the culture you want. Yeah. You may actually have a bad culture. Yeah. Culture will grow like a weed or, yeah. or it'll get pruned like a hedge. Yeah. How did you come about defining your values? Yeah, so when it comes to values, I always peel it back a little bit and go, you've got to get your foundation right before you can grow when it comes to business. One of the biggest foundation blocks there is, is actually setting your vision statement on where are you going? Like, why are you doing this? Where to from here? Basically, your mission statement is how you're going to achieve your vision statement and then backed into your core values, which are going to be your main core things that are going to drive the culture to achieve your vision. A vision, mission, and core values isn't something that's pretty, that sits on the wall of the entrance of your building yes. or your home <laughs> office or whatever it might be, and it, it sounds It's not wordsmithed. Good. That's right. It's not yeah. something that sounds good to your customers. This is something that you have to solely believe in, and it's something that you can't do overnight. I think it took me around three months to actually hone ours down. There's a book called Delivering Happiness, it's the Zappos story. So they're a oh, billion-dollar yes. online shoe company. Yeah. And they have an arm of their business called Delivering Happiness. And some of the stories in that book, like it is customer service, culture. It's a book that I give to all of our franchise owners. I can't recommend it enough. We even had the co-founder of Delivering Happiness come and chat to us at our conference for our franchise owners. That's how much I believe in what they had to say. They are probably the leaders in culture when it comes to an organisation. One of your values is being generous. Mm-hmm. It's also one of the online code's values. Uh, but you have a really unique way of approaching your generosity. Yeah. So Simon Sinek, he always says it starts with your why. And a lot of people, when they get into business, don't understand why they're in business. They're just in business to make more money than they could possibly if they were employed. And that's no, just not going to cut it's it. It's not a big enough why. Yeah, it's not a big enough why. So when the, when the hard times come and the money's not coming in, all right, I'm out of here. There's a Bureau of Statistics stat that says one in a thousand businesses make it in every eight years. Like it's a, it's a terrible stat. Yeah. Like I say to a lot of people, your purpose has to be bigger than your problems. Yeah. So to answer your question, my wife and I's why in life because there's not a lot of difference between your business life and your personal life. It's just you lead a life. (laughs) So our why has always been to be in business to give. Um, The bigger we become, the more profitable that we are, unashamedly, is to give as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, By no means is it a poor mentality where we just want a little shack to live in. We've got a nice house, we've got a nice car, but I don't need 10 cars and 10 houses. And (laughs) um, we live very comfortably. We have our toys and all that sort of stuff. But business for us is a giving tool. So we ventured into starting our own non-for-profit foundation. And that's a big process in itself. So we have the Platinum Foundation. And we started an initiative off that called the One Child Collective. So that's where we attract multiple businesses to this initiative where people can come on board and everything is packaged up and done for them and they can start a giving arm to their business. So, for example, in our businesses in Jet Black Plumbers and Platinum, we have one van, one child. Uh, We have hairdressing salons that are one chair, one child. We have chippies that are one chippy, one child. 
plumbers that are one truck, one child. So it's something where they can come on, they can get the branding, they can get their own staff engaged. Nothing's tied back to my business. It is a completely something that we do and offer to business owners where they can get involved, whether it's be child sponsorships or giving to projects or field trips to other places around the world. It's something that we uh, are really passionate about. Um, it's growing at a rate of knots and there's now hundreds of kids getting sponsored. Yeah, wonderful. Projects all around the world. That's probably truly the one where I have to pinch myself and go, Yeah. wow, like not as in a prideful wow, but as in, wow, I can't believe that we're having this much impact as yeah. an electrical business and plumbing. Yeah. That's a very compelling why. I've heard you say that the first million turnover is the hardest. Mm. Can you explain what that looked like for you? Yeah. The first million is definitely a milestone. To turn over a million, your business has to grow to a certain size where you can't do everything. Yeah. So that's why it's the hardest because you're learning how to employ people, how to lead people, how to put reporting in place. You've changed your business from yourself to a scalable model. Yeah. So generally businesses that are turning over or hit that million, they've had to go through all those different zones and that's hard zones. That's all the foundational uh, stones to get you to a place to turn over that million. I believe from then onwards, it becomes an art of refining that and keeping it scalable and honing those skills to be a better leader, a better manager, a better whatever it might be as you multiply. Because yeah. it's easy to lead and put those levels of leadership in when you're turning over a mil, but when you're turning over 10 mil or 20 mil, that's when it becomes a different game because instead of four people so to speak, underneath you, there's suddenly 50 people. <laughs> that changes the game a little bit. And culture becomes huge. Huge, yeah. yeah. Culture is a huge cost saving. If you don't have a culture, you, people come in and out of the place like a rotating door. It costs a lot of money in HR, recruitment, people aren't connected. There's so many sides to culture, how it benefits your business, both financially and growth-wise. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you're finding it helpful, make sure you don't miss an episode by signing up to our emails. You'll get access to bonus content and we'll notify you whenever a new episode goes live. Check the show notes for details or head to the onlinecode.net slash podcast. You mentioned the, you know, the hard times or the challenges. People will often look at a successful person like yourself and go, wow, you know, it must have been easy. He must have just sailed away there. You know, he set his business strategy and got started and mm. it's all been roses. The truth is no business has ever built that way. Tell me about some of the, um, or maybe a particular example of a time where it's been tough for you. No, I don't think it has. I think it has been all roses. <laughs> um, no, there's been many a times through my business life, I suppose you could say over the last 19 years, there's always hurdles. There's always challenges. Gosh, from sometimes people stealing or vans getting smashed yeah. up or sometimes there's workplace injuries and sometimes there's things where you get it wrong as a leader and people leave and it feels like someone's taken your firstborn child. Like yeah. there's, there's so many things you've got to get around as a business owner. You, you have to be thick-skinned and be really on purpose with keeping your heart soft as well. Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky balance. Yeah, it's, it's a very tricky balance. So... Yeah, for me, getting through my tough times, I'm very fortunate where I have a faith element. So for us is very much, uh, when I say us, my wife and I, with our faith, we just always believe that we're going to be looked after. So we're never in the grounds of self-reliance or it's all yeah. up to me. We rest and know that everything is going to be okay. So 
not that I don't have stressful moments. So it's no. sometimes a lot easier said than done. <laughs> but it's definitely a place where it has helped us greatly tackle, I suppose, the tough times in business. Um, we always have that security, I suppose, in the background. Yeah, wonderful. What would you say is the biggest challenge you've had in the last 19 years? Uh, I would say, I reckon one of my biggest challenges has actually been this year with COVID. We always thought we were pretty pretty protected. Um, our customer base was predominantly aged care, retail, and then just that was like the, the blanket was pulled out from under your feet. Aged care, uh, retail, literally yeah. our business dropped by 50%. Wow, didn't see that coming. No. So yeah, we've been on a journey. It's been rocky, it's been challenging, it challenges your culture when you've got a lot of people that they've got everything coming at them. Yeah. Fear, what yeah. ifs, interest rates, job keeper, job seeker, what's gonna happen, can't travel. For us with a franchise business of franchise owners around the country, we can't go and fly and see them. They're used to annual conferences. People are being isolated, they're scared. It's really been challenging my leadership trying to keep everybody's I'm not sure if it's the right saying, but I'll say it heads on as far as a lot of people are getting lost yeah. thinking this or thinking that or thinking that they're not loved, trying to control gossip and rumours and yeah, just happens in any big bunch of people. Yeah. Um, we've done well, we've hardly lost anybody, but you're trying to hold all your people because you know when we come out of this, it's going to be extremely busy because yeah. all the contracts we have haven't stopped They've just paused. Yes. And thank goodness for the initiatives that the government have brought. It's, it's helped take a bit of pressure off, but it has been a challenging year. For us, we were very blessed where we've always, always had a very um, tight financial control. We had enough in savings to, to ride us through. Again, another very important point is giving debt the respect it deserves. Yes. It's, <laughs> a lot of people get into debt way too easy. And there's good debt and there's bad debt, but... As business owners, it's very important that you're not just spending everything that you're saving up for a rainy day, so to speak. Yeah, it's, that's really great advice. I think in business, sometimes people almost sell their soul. They just work and work and work. Mm. And um, You've obviously managed your marriage and your family well. Can you give any advice to people to keep the, you know, the most important things in life in perspective whilst mm. still being successful? For me... Work-life balance has always been a major thing for me. I, it really does sadden me when I see business owners sacrificing everything for their business. Like truly something inside me, it, it actually yeah, it does hurts. sadden me. Yeah. Um, because I can see a lot of people that they're doing it for their family, but they're not bringing their family along. And then you see the divorce and the kids, and it's a terrible story. Because people aren't doing it to hurt anybody, they're doing it to actually bless their family. Yeah, yeah, the intention's good, yeah. So, yeah, there's seasons in business where I've done some big hours or weekend work, but it's very rare. Again, you've got to be really on purpose with your time. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to have some boundaries in place Great. as a business owner to go, no, these are my rules to the game. And it's it's uh, quite a fun project if you want to sit down and, and set those boundaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so for, for my wife and I, we have different boundaries of coming home and we're not on devices and what time that I get home by and it's not like my wife is setting rules that I must be home by this no. time but there's there's rules that we have for both of us where we go okay this is home time now yeah um, business is off we're not talking about business it's all about the kids they're all little at this yeah. stage and positioning in the business in a way where it's I'm not involved in any of the day-to-day -day operations now that's you could say great for you now Josh because you're 19 yes. years in and you've grown it to where it is but 
I've had these things in place even when I was two and three bands, um, a lot smaller business, under a million turnover, because business to me was always a tool to have that work-life balance and extra profitability to give. You, what you're saying is that to be successful, you don't have to wake up in the morning, first thing you do, check your email, work all day, last no. thing you do at night, check your emails. No, no. <laughs> so for me, I'm a little bit probably old school where on my phone, I don't have any notifications, I don't have any social media on it. My phone is literally a phone. I don't use it as a device to work away from my desk. It's when I'm at work, I'm working. Uh, when I'm at home, I don't even look at my device. It literally goes in the cupboard and I get on with doing family time. So I think in this day and age, people have to be very careful. Yeah. These phones can control Absolutely. your life. They demand your attention. I always say to my kids, if, if you're there, be there. If, for example, their nana or granddad is talking to them, I'm like, you can't be on a device, you can't be distracted. It's, if you're with someone, you're with someone. Again, you've gotta be on purpose with that sort of stuff. It's, we live in a world now that's, you've got stuff coming at you left, All right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be very mindful. So if one in a thousand businesses last after eight years, yeah. if you're going to go past eight years, you can't be working 16 hours a day. Like, you will burn. You'll wreck your relationships around you as well. Yeah, may or may not, I'm not sure. Different characters, different yeah. people like different things. I've got some friends in business that love waking up at 3 a.m. and getting to the office at 4 a.m. And to me, that's just <laughs> like, oh, that's my worst nightmare. It just really comes down to the individual, I suppose, but yeah. something is going to give. If you haven't got balance in place, yeah. there's no room for space. There's no room for creativity. I would much rather earn a lot less if I can employ more people, so then that gives me more time. Yeah, I'm always a fan of hiring smarter than yourself and leveraging off people that can give you more work-life balance. Do you ever feel threatened when you're hiring someone smarter than yourself? Never. I love it. I love it. If I have people smarter than myself, I think it's the best thing ever. I love yeah. seeing them in their lane doing what they do. It, it inspires yeah. me to do what I do better. Absolutely. Mm. I remember, I think it was Dick Smith in the 80s saying this exact idea. I, everybody that works for me is smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts with humility. But the, um, you know, there's blessings all around. There's blessings for you and there's blessings for them in the whole process. Yeah. When you see people in their lane, in their lane is what we call they're doing what they've been born to do well. And when you see people in their right lane, their right fit, I don't think there's anything more rewarding. It's awesome seeing people yeah. shine at what they do. Yeah, it's wonderful. Seeing it's people their thriving. Gift. Yeah. Well, thank you, Josh. Appreciate your insights, your wisdom, your experience, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that was Josh. And if you want to read a bit more about his 10 core values or some of those great books he mentioned, check out the show notes at theonlineco.net forward slash podcast. Jess, you're a marketing pro. What do you think it is about Josh's approach to marketing that's made him so successful? I think it's his approach to his customers. So he, me he mentioned that 21-step process that he has that has nothing to do with electrical. It's right. all about his customers. You know, To have a process like that in your business, which is purely focusing on your customers, that's his point of difference, right? Isn't that, yeah, and that as we always great. say, uh, putting people first is the best way to grow. Oh, a definitely. smaller medium business and, and that's what he's done. How important do you think it is for an electrical business to have a point of difference? Well, I, I just researched that there's 150,000 electricians in Australia. Wow. So there's a real question about why would somebody hire you and not one of the other 
149,999. Mm. Um, when we go through and look at an industry for a client, we'll often just see this big sort of beige soup of everybody looks the same. Everybody's saying the same things the same way. And as soon as you are able to communicate something slightly different, something slightly unique, you start creating demand for yourself just by doing that. And Josh has very cleverly created his 21-point uh, process and that's his point of difference. And it's a bit like you know, putting a big splash of red in that beige picture that is painted <laughs> of that industry and, saying, and, and going, hey, look at us, we're different. And that's attractive. It, it might repel people too, but often it'll repel the wrong customers and that's fine. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It'll, it'll sort of do a bit of the, the qualifying for him, won't it? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, he's got some things here in his 21 customer experience checklist, uh, like arriving five minutes early. You go, well, that's not very sophisticated. That's right. It's but, not rocket science. But how but many times have you had a tradie to your house and they've... They, they've said, oh, I'm going to turn up between 1 and 5 this afternoon. And then and they're at 5.30. Well, or you just <laughs> or, don't know. You've got to take yeah. half a day off. or It's very complicated. Or they clean up better than it was before they started. I mean, imagine... You know, I, a, a I, training... I might intentionally invite a few trainees <laughs> over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've, I'll leave a mop and bucket out. Yeah, there. that's right. <laughs> Call Platinum. Yeah. Get your uh, kitchen cleaned. Um, no, but rather than having, you know shavings all over the floor or mess or whatnot that's right and it's all it's all these points help to make for that customer experience and at the end of the day when you're when you're a customer you want to have a good experience no matter what if it's a service or a product whatever you're purchasing you're parting with some money you want to make sure that that experience that you've had is a positive one and yep. these these steps are all just that they may seem tiny and insignificant but they're actually super important Absolutely. and they make a big difference yeah so for those of you who are looking for a USP or a unique sales proposition for your business, I'd recommend starting by jumping on Google, typing in a keyword that's relevant to your industry. And in this case, it would be something like Electrician Sydney and having a look at the top 10 results and seeing what their USP is. Yeah, that's a great tip. Now, you shouldn't steal theirs because otherwise it's not unique anymore. Yeah. It's somebody else's. Uh, but what you need to do is get some ideas and, and see what the landscape is. And then what I generally would recommend is going to your values and saying, what is it that I really mm -hmm. care about? Now, Josh really cares about his customer. Mm -hmm. That's really important to him. He wants to wow them. So he's now developed a USP straight off the back of his values. So this is a process we do in our, in our playbooks to help customers go through to help them develop their USPs. And then what you're doing it's not just a USP to get sales. You're doing something that deeply matters to you because it's now linked with your values. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co. Produced by Claire Bruce and music by Harry Parnwell. You can find us at theonlineco.net. If you know someone who you think could really learn from Josh's experience, feel free to share this podcast with them. We'd love you to subscribe and leave us a review.